heard about uh, both of your pastors who uh, mean so much to me. If I didn't like them, I'd just say, let's open the Bible and I'll preach. But because they mean so much to me, first to your executive pastor who was with me at my former church for more than a few years, and we had some wonderful times there. And, and then to your pastor, it is, it is such a joy to know that you can be a Cowboys fan and be saved. I can't make no friends in here tonight. It is what a, what a, what a joy to know. And I have appreciated uh, much his friendship over the years. And it is a, just a joy to be in the same field with him. Uh, somebody, matter of fact, another one of our good friends is pastoring down in Cincinnati. And someone made mention of it. I was like, y'all trying to save the whole state of Ohio. And I said, whosoever will, let them come. And so I want to uh, get right into the word tonight as I must make that travel back to Columbus tonight. And, and, but I believe if y'all pray for me, I believe God wants to do something tonight. If you have your Bibles, can you go there quickly? I want to go. I told Pastor Coxum after watching service last night, I feel led strongly to just put on that CD from last night. <laughs> I, I feel led to just put that CD on and let us just bask in that. Uh, but the Lord has me on assignment tonight, and I want to give you what he wants you to have. The book of Exodus chapter 6, and I want to start reading at verse 1. I want to read from the New Living Translation. Please follow with whatever you have. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh when he feels the force of my strong hand. He will let the people go. In fact, he'll force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I'm Yahweh, the Lord. I appeal to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirm my covenant with them under its terms. I promise to give them a land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm great acts of judgment. I claim you as my own people and I'll be your God. Then you will know that I'm the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Y'all mind if I keep reading? I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to give it to you as your very own possession because I am the Lord. So Moses told the people of Israel, what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore because they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Verse 10, then the Lord said to Moses, go back and tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. Will you skip down to verse 13? The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Israel, Egypt, 
The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. For a few moments, because i got to make this drive back to Columbus, I want to talk with this thought in mind. I'm in transition. If you're not too mean, would you find just two people and say, I'm right now in transition? No, that, that, that was the wrong neighbor. You, <laughs> you, you find somebody else and tell them, right now, I'm, I'm in transition. In Jesus' name, thank you for another chance. Amen. All of us were bombarded and inundated last year with that infamous picture on the cover of Vanity Fair's magazine of Bruce Jenner with this caption, Call Me Caitlin. This particular issue featured the life of former gold medalist Bruce Jenner, who believes that his body has identified with a female for years, and although he's never been attracted to men, believes that he feels more at peace with himself in a female body than his God-given male one. Don't miss me. I'm going somewhere tonight. Because of this feeling of identity, he decided to transition himself from male to female and from Bruce to Caitlin. Going from the title of world's famous athlete to being featured on a high fashion magazine and an interview on 2020 that boasted of over 20 million viewers, he also received last year's Arthur Ashe Courage Award during the ESPY Awards. Watch this for his transition from Bruce to Caitlin. Now, now let, let me begin, let me help the house tonight. Let me begin by stating that because of my understanding of the biblical text, I personally don't believe in gender transition. Y'all ain't hearing me tonight. I, I personally, just because of how I read the Bible, I don't believe in gender transition because it denies and diminishes the creative and intelligent power of God. I disagree with gender transition because it misrepresents the image of God and reduces God's image and makes it to be whatever we want it to be. However, I would also argue that the people of God oftentimes transition themselves to become what God never created us to be. Move where God never wants us to go and to say things God doesn't want us to say. It was this transition, stay with me tonight, of Bruce Jenner that made me honestly think in a deeper way that all of us in this church tonight are experiencing in some kind of way transition in one way or another. Most of us, if not all of us seated in here right now, are in a season of transition between the promises God made to us and waiting for those promises to be seen in our lives. There are those who are here waiting for transitions that have yet to happen. Come on, wave at me if I'm going to call your road tonight. Waiting to go from single to married. Y'all ain't talking good enough. Waiting. Here it is. I'm going to come get you. Waiting to go from broke to comfortable. Come, let me get you one more time. Waiting. Sitting in anticipation of transition. Here it is. From your current job to your dream job. Waiting. I'm here right now. I'm here right now for your child to transition from immaturity to a season of more maturation. There are, there are some young people in the house who are waiting for that day of eligibility 
when you can leave home and be on your own. There are teachers waiting for school to be over and for summer break to begin. You ain't talking good enough. There are students waiting for this school year to be over that they might graduate and move to that next level of education, waiting for marriage to be restored, hoping for your relationship to be mended, anticipating for your child to come back to God, looking for the miracle, waiting for that job to finally pay you what you're worth, waiting for something to work out, waiting for healing to come, hoping for the time when you can become everything that God created you to be. Is there anybody can say, Pastor, I am right now waiting and in transition. Don't miss me tonight. Transition then is the process or time of change from one season to another. I'm going to help the house tonight. It is the time period between what God said and what you can actually see. It is, I'm here right now, that, that, that period, that, that frustrating time and annoying season of life between what you can't stand and what you love. It's the time between living in what causes you pain and receiving what was promised to you. It's the space of time. Somebody's here tonight when you know what God said, but you're not sure when he's going to bring it to pass. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? And if you're like me, if you're like me, your time and transition has made you question God and has made you ask God, God, what in the world are you doing? Is that not the question you ask God? At night when the moon is low and tears stain your pillow and your mind drifts itself into unconsciousness, God, what are you doing right now in this strange and frustrating time in my life? And it's been annoying for you if you like me to feel that because things aren't happening in your timeline that you think they're never going to happen. And I need to share this word to somebody today who feels that because you aren't where you desire to be, you feel that you'll never be where you should be, and you will help me tonight, Lord, and you will complain the entire time of transition. So much so that when you're spiritually scheduled, to receive what has your name on it, you are denied access because during your time of transition, you complain more than you did to take time to learn what God was trying to teach you in this season. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? My assignment tonight then is to not merely prepare you for entrance into a building. I feel God tonight. My, my assignment tonight is not to prepare you merely to go into another place of four walls, but it is to get you ready for the next great season of your life. And I rose to tell somebody tonight that you are right on the edge of the greatest season you have ever faced in your life. I'm talking better than you talked back to me. You are right now seated on the edge of the greatest season of your life and you have never been as close as you are right now to receiving everything that God wants you to have in your life and that's why that's why pastor you don't have to wait 
for what you want in order to be full. One of the great challenges in the Christian journey is to learn how to be full right now, even though you're waiting for what you really want. Y'all ain't talking tonight. You may not have a lot of money tonight, but you can still be full. <laughs> you might not have the relationship you want tonight, but you can still be full. You may not have your dream job, your dream car, your dream house that you want tonight, but you can still be full. And the great challenge of the Christian journey is to learn how to be full, even though you're waiting for what you want. Because if you'll be honest, most of us, We'll wait until transition is over to declare that since you've gotten to the place of promise and got what you want, that you're now satisfied. But you don't have to wait until transition is over to bless God. I am tired, pastor, of preaching to empty people. It should not be a thing that this man has to preach you full every week. I'm tired of preaching to empty people because when you are empty, a phone call will mess up your life. When you are empty, a text message will sabotage your day. When you are empty, somebody's bad attitude will destroy your life. But when you come into the house full, and somebody comes to you with gossip, you say, I'm too full for that foolishness. Don't call me back and I'll be okay. Don't hire me and I'm going to still be all right. Don't give me the job and my bills will still get paid. Is there anybody can say, Pastor, I didn't come into the house because I needed to get something. I came in because of what I already got. <laughs> Are y'all tired of this? He... The people of God have been in slavery for quite some time now. And even though they try to hold on to the promise of God, their time spent in oppression became real frustrating. Remember now, Israel's slavery was not arbitrary, but was strangely designed by God. Okay. You will remember... God promised Abraham a son. Even though his wife Sarah was barren, and not only did God give Abraham the promise of a son, but he told Abraham, your descendants will go into slavery for 400 years. Help me to teach this thing right through in here, God. I will bring them out, and they'll come out with many possessions. In other words, y'all ain't going to like this. Their years spent in slavery and transition was part of the will of God. Oh, okay, okay. What if I were to tell you tonight that some of the most annoying things you've ever experienced were not sent by the devil, but they were designed and set up by the hand of God? What if I were to tell you tonight that some of the most difficult things you've ever been through in life were not because the devil was messing with you, but it was because God was setting you up for something. Though difficult to understand, help me tonight, God. And frustrating to realize, it is apparent that God uses things we don't like before he gives us what we enjoy. 
God will oftentimes use what we hate before he gives us what we love. And I've discovered in my life that God will purposely push us through seasons of difficulty and defeat because most of you right now are not ready for God-sized blessings. So God will. He'll take his time to make sure that you learn specific lessons (laughs) and refocus your mind and help you deepen your spirituality so that when you get to the place of promise, your attitude and arrogance will not kill the promise before it's had time to manifest in you. It got to that point on God's chronological clock. Are y'all still here? Where he desired, help me God, to transition his people out of slavery to the promised land. But transitioning is never easy. Let me come get you one more time. Is there anybody here like me? You want your spiritual journey to be smooth. You don't want no problems. You don't want no difficulties. That's why I don't like anybody coming in here to preach and talking about, I ain't never been nothing. I ain't never gone through no marital stuff. I ain't never, God has always been good. Ain't never been, no, no, you sit down, child. I need somebody to stand up here that unbroke some laws and had marital difficulty and been frustrated at God. But you've also experienced the great God of heaven picking you up from your low place and you came up with clapping in your hands and stomping in your feet and can say the Lord will make a way somehow. And if you've never been through nothing, don't tell me how to hold on to God when I'm struggling. Because transition is never easy. Remember now, the people of God had been slaves for 400 years. And while one would think that 400 years was enough time for God to do what he needed to accomplish, it's evident that after the exodus, they didn't learn lessons and 400 years in slavery did not singularly change people's attitudes. Okay. Um, I don't go here, but can I tell you what God told me to tell you? I wonder if there are any here tonight who feel that all of a sudden you will have a closer walk with God just because you've moved out of this building. Or those who believe that you must have a steeple on a building in order to have church. I wonder, who help me God, if there are any here tonight who think that because you're transitioning from this place, that you won't praise God till you get to the next place. Because, may I add, locations never change people's attitudes. Moses' arrival to tell the people that it was time to leave did not change their attitude and heart. The Lord tells Moses, hey, I am transitioning my people 
from slavery to the promised land. He reminded Moses of the covenant he made to Abraham and says to him, I have not forgotten about my promise. I've heard their cries of bondage. I have not forgotten them. I'm going to get them out. But the text says that when Moses gives the word to the people, they do not listen because their spirit was tired. And because of their oppression, okay, you missed it. In other words, they had not been able to receive what God promised because they had been so accustomed to the longevity of slavery that they had been conditioned to be immune to God's promises. They had been in slavery so long that they no longer believed that God's promises was for them. And there are some even here tonight who can't imagine anything different just because you've never seen it before. There are those tonight who cannot fix God's promise in your mind because you've never seen it. And there are many that regardless of how bad your slave experience is, will find more enjoyment in slavery because it's your normal rather than transition to where God wants you to be. I wonder then if there's anyone here tonight out of habit and you're so frustrated with God's chronological clock that you don't no longer believe that there are God's promises for you. And whether you believe it or not, can I help you tonight? There are godly promises just for you. Y'all must be asleep tonight. I just helped you. There are godly promises just for you, and you cannot die until you receive them. Okay. You, you, then, you then, before you leave tonight, need to understand three things. Can I give them to you? Number one, don't leave here without knowing that the God we serve always makes promises. I just blessed you for the rest of the week and you missed it. The God you and I serve is a God who always makes promises. Number two, don't leave here today without understanding that the God we serve never forgets the promises he made to his children. You, you, you know what? Y'all going to catch this in one minute. I, I don't like telling my kids what I'm going to do. Because when it's time for them to collect on the promise, I may not feel like doing what I told them to do. Don't you ever tell your kids you're going to take them to Toys R Us or take them to the park or we going swimming. Because you better believe it sooner or later they're coming back to ask you, where is the reception of the promise? But the God you serve, don't ever forget the promise he makes his children. But he, he, here's the last one. Here's the last one. Don't leave here today without understanding. Whew, help me, God. Um that there are godly promises with your name on it. Ooh, I'm going to shout all by myself, I promise. Can I help you understand that right now in this building are people 
who have been promised something. Y'all ain't getting this. I'm going to help you in one second. You right now, seated in Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church, are people who by God have been promised something. Right now, Pastor Johnson, what I'm really starting to get excited about are not the things from God that I have seen. But what excites me, Pastor, are the things that I know God promised but has yet to reveal to me. Because if I can already see it, then it wasn't worth waiting for. And if I already have it, then God don't have to promise it to me. But I need somebody who will agree with me in the spirit that know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has promised you something. You may not have it now. You may be in transition to receive it now. It might be frustrating while you wait on it. But the Bible says that I will withhold no good thing for them that walk uprightly. The Bible says eye has not seen, ear has not heard, it's not entered to the heart of man. The Things that God has prepared for his children. I serve a risen Savior. God says sooner or later, I'm going to make good on every promise I told you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Let, let me say it this way. Um, about a year ago, um, I was coming home and I checked my mail and I pulled out a letter and I realized that it was the right envelope in the wrong box. You're going to catch it in one second. Um, see, because it was the afternoon, Alan, and I held it up to the sunlight, and I saw something in there that looked like I wanted to receive it. Um, um, and, and so I got excited because I said, who thought enough about me to out of the blue send me something in the mail? And my heart sunk like the Titanic when I found that it was the right package, but it wasn't my name on the envelope. And I begrudgingly, as I saw the mail lady, I said, ma'am, I really don't want to do this. But they put the right mail in the wrong box. It just so happened that the lady who it was supposed to go to was coming home. And she checked her mail, and she pulled out the letter that I thought was for me. And I watched her walk to the house and open the letter. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. I was nosy because I said, I want to see what's in the package that almost belonged to me. And when I saw her pull it out, my heart sunk again. As her face beamed with how somebody thought enough of her to send her something seemingly unexpected. And I walked back to my house sad and dejected because nobody took enough time to give me nothing. And God spoke to me and he said, cheer up my child. Have you not heard that I've got promises with your name on it? They might not come how you want it, but every morning my word has a promise in it for you. It might not be what you like, but it'll be right there for you. It is just what you need. Watch this now. 
I'm almost done. Stay with me. Watch this now. Because God's people never immediately receive what has their name on it. You rarely, if ever, receive a promise from God and then God instantly give you what he promised. God does something between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise so that you can understand what he is. God will make you wait. God will cause you to be frustrated. God, he will make you mad at him. Can I talk to the real folk tonight? Has anybody ever been in a relationship with God and you've been mad at God? Oh, yeah, yeah. where the real folk at? Where the real folk at who woke up this morning and said, God, I don't like some of the things you're doing in my life because you got me stuck between what I know you said. And one of the frustrating things about when God gives you a promise is when God, who helped me, God, when God gives you a promise, you are never in a position where it looks like you will receive what God says. When God gives you a promise, you are always in a position that would speak to the fact that you are not going to get what God told you. And what God, if you like me, will have you do is follow a promise into the wilderness. I preached to my own self tonight. What God will have you do, I don't know who this is for tonight. He will give you a promise that will lead you into a wilderness by yourself. No friends around and not sure when that wilderness is going to be over. And you're stuck in transition between a promise and the process that's going to finish it. But you don't put your faith in the process. You put your faith in the promise. Because the devil shows up in the process. Because he knows he can't mess with the promise. Because the process is in your hands. But the promise is in God's hands. And the devil knows if he can drop enough hell on your journey, you'll stop in the process and never reach the promise. But have I got anybody in here? Come hell or high water. Come thick or thin. You want to hold on to your promise? Come what may until God gives you every single thing he says got your name on it. Somebody shout, I'm in transition. It's, it's, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough because I want to suggest something tonight that you may have not heard. I, I want to suggest, Pastor, tonight that, that the ten plagues were never designed for the Egyptians, but the ten plagues were for the people of God because they had been so accustomed to the longevity of slavery that they had to relearn who God was. So because, whew, because they had forgotten who he was, please don't miss this, God pushed them out of slavery. Remember now, Moses said, God said, it's time to go. 
Incidentally, when God spoke to Moses, Moses did not go back to the people and say, how many of y'all want to go and how many of y'all want to stay here? There was no, there is never a democratic process when God speaks. God says, it's time to move. And when he told the people, because the people had become accustomed to dysfunction. See, you wonder why people will stay in abused relationship. Because it's a terrible thing when your normal becomes dysfunctional. And they had lived in dysfunction for so long that God had to push them out because if he never, if he never pushed them out, they would never start the journey. And it's difficult because when God pushes you, you never get the blessed part when the pushed part comes. Rarely does God show you how it's going to all work out. So what God does, ooh, help me teach tonight, God, is he gives you enough to get you out from where you're not supposed to be. Because if he never pushes you out, you will never get to your destination. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 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 God, God says, are y'all tired of this? God says, please don't miss this. I'm taking you from slavery. <laughs> because slavery is not your destination. Okay, all right. I'm about to help somebody. It's about to get gooder. Are you ready? Um, um, um. Where you are is not your destination. I'm going to shout on that by myself. I said I'm going to shout on that by myself. Where you are right now is not your destination. Now, you know why you should have lifted up a praise to God right now? Because if your current place was your final place, then you would have died before you had a chance to live. But God switched it up so that instead of you dying in your current place, he just made some stuff die off of you. So that when you get to your God-intended destination, your attitude, your addictions, your dirty mouth, your laziness, your phony frit, I ain't named nothing in your life yet, your unproductive relationships, your financial failures, your messy mind would not kill what God is trying to do in you. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm almost done. To transition you, God has to push you. Because if you're like me, most of you are more comfortable at a pit stop than you are your destination. Most of you are happy when things are going okay, even though your okay place is not your final place. Let me come and get you like this. Um, um, do you remember when you were first learning how to swim? Somebody said, pray for me, Pastor. I, got, I start lessons next week at the Y. I start next Monday, so pray for me. 
Come on, wave at me. You remember when you was learning how to swim? So many things you were scared about. You were scared of the water. I said you were scared of the water. You were scared to get wet. Scared of deep into the pool. Scared of drowning. Scared of water going in your mouth. Scared that somebody was going to pull you down and drown you and all that type of thing. You were scared. However, swimming lessons rarely begin at the shallow end of the pool. To make you a proficient swimmer, the lifeguard has to get the fear out of you. Because fear will drown even a proficient swimmer. So to get you confident in being in a space that you're not used to, he will have you get in the deep end and hold on to the side of the pool so even in the deep end, you'll be comfortable. And that's what God does with you. He will push you in the deep end, but he won't let you drown. Come on, I'm I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done, I promise. I'm almost done. Can you give me five minutes? I, so God, he sent ten plagues to let the people know who he was. He turned the water into blood. Because God wants you to know that he can turn any situation around. He sent a plague of frogs to let you know that even though things are popping all around you, that he still got everything under control. He sent the plague of lice to help you realize that small things make a big difference. He sent the plague of flies to let you know he can turn an annoying thing into an honorable thing. He sent the plague of boils to let you know he can turn a moment of pain into a moment of praise. He sent the plague of hell to let you know that even though you pass through a fire, you won't be burned. He sent the plague of locusts to let you know that he will give you back what the locusts have stolen. He sent the plague of darkness to help you realize that weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. He sent the plague of the firstborn to help you realize that those that die in the Lord, they shall rise together. He sent the plagues so that they could be reminded about who he was. Let me press on to my conclusion and help you know why I really came here. And that is to help you realize that you should never be afraid of God pushing you somewhere. Because unlike yourself, God is not constrained by time, which means God is seated in 2018. God is right now, right now he is seated in 2018. So what God does is because he's not constrained by time, he just steps in your time to bless your life. But he is never constrained by time, so he is tonight, right now, seated in 2018. So what God does for you and me is he works backwards to prepare you for what's ahead. Because if you don't start certain trends now, you won't be ready to receive what has your name on it. How many people here tonight have missed what had your name on it because you weren't ready to receive it? So God holds 
Acts, what has your name on it in the heavenly realm? And angels walk by God and say, why have you not given them what has their name on it? And God says, because they're not ready for it. Because if God gave you right now what you really wanted, you wouldn't even know what to do with it. And so God keeps it. And your frustration with God is not that the devil is messing with you. Your frustration with God is you are fighting the push. You're spending more time fighting God's push, and yet you come to prayer meeting weekly blaming the devil for things he has nothing to do with. And God says tonight, I'm pushing you from your current place to your next place. Now, now, I must warn you because don't then believe that your next place is the best place. God is always in the business of pushing you to prepare you for what's next. But you get so comfortable with where you are, and it's lovely, and it's wonderful, and you get upset because one of the things I've realized is when God compliments you, God's compliments are not like man. Because when man compliments you, we will shout you out on social media. We will buy you a bouquet of flowers. We will get you some cologne. We will buy you some Godiva chocolate. But not so with the Lord. When the Lord chooses to tell you how meaningful you are in the relationship with him, God will do things that are strange, cruel, frustrating, because you learn more in pain than you do in praise. And God tonight wants to push you from one place to another. I was reminded, Pastor, a few years ago of what God is really doing. There were me and my sister growing up in D.C., and Kim, my mother never had a good car because she was committed to Christian education. And upon one evening of picking us up from school, my mother drove us home and the car went out. And there we were on the side of the road as the sun was going down not able to start the car, and while we were not too far from home, we were not home yet. Y'all going to catch this in one second. And my mother tried her best to start the car to get her children home, but despite her best efforts, she couldn't start the car. I said, Mom, go ahead and get out. I tried to go in. I was the man at the scene at the time, and I got in the car and said, by the grace of God, this car is going to start. And I tried to start up the car, but the car would not start. Just then a man came and pulled to the side of the road and got out 
He said, it seems like you're having some trouble. She said, yeah, we can't get the car to start. Man got in the car, started up, and he looked at the car. He said, well, I've tried everything, but uh, ma'am, I think I can get you home. Um, but you're not going to like the way I do it. He said, I want you all to get back in the car. Man, he said, she said, man, uh, sir, that's no problem. My son, he's a good size. He can get out and help you push the car home with you. She said, ma'am, you don't understand. You're not going to like the way I get you home. I want you to get in the driver's seat and put the car in neutral. I want your kids to get in the back of the car. I want you to put your hands on the wheel and I just want you to guide the car home. She said, sir, but that's going to be a little much for you to back there. He said, no, ma'am. I said, you're not going to like how I get you home. Because what I'm going to do is I want you to keep your car in neutral, and I'm going to push your car with my car. Okay. And... Some of y'all have had money for all your lives, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But is anybody here, anybody here from the old school who ain't had the best car? You didn't get the car off the lot with zero miles. You done drove some limit. Am I talking to anybody in the building? And we were seated, me and my sister in the back of the car. My mother put her hands on the wheel and started driving the car home. And every once in a while, we felt a push. And... Every once in a while, we felt a nudge. And my mother turned back and said, are y'all all right? We said, we all right, Ma. She said, okay. And every, every so often, we, we felt the car just pushing us and nudging us and moving us. And, and all of a sudden, we, we didn't know what was happening. But even though we were getting bumped, after a while, we got home. Now, don't clap too yet because here's the shout. The first thing my mother did was she ran out the car. She had to get to the back of the car to see how much damage was done. Because her thinking was, based on how much you were pushing us, you had to have done a whole lot of damage. But when my mother got out the car and got to the back of the car, she said, um, sir, I noticed you were hitting the car a whole lot but I can't see the evidence of where you were hitting the car. Because every once in a while, we felt a nudge. Every once in a while, we felt a jerk. Every once in a while, we felt pain. And I got to see where it is that you were hitting the car. He said, child, please, I've been doing this a long time, so I know where to push the car in order to get you home but not do no damage. Is there anybody in here? You feeling some pain. You feeling some pressure. You feeling a jerk, but I'll take the pain. I'll take the pressure. I'll take the bump. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Is there anybody in Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church that's feeling some pressure, that's feeling some pain, that's feeling some hurt? Ah, I feel it, God. You're feeling the pain. God said, I ain't trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to get you home. And, and, and one of the reasons why most of you stay stranded 
It's because you don't like the push. And you would rather stay in a broke place. And God says tonight, you can stay on the side of the road if you want, but I'm going forward. You, you missed it. You missed it. You can stay on the side of the road if you want. But God is never in the business of status quo. And they are many people here tonight. You've been in the same place for a little too long. You pray the same way. You read the Bible the same way. You still got a nasty attitude. You still can't lift your hands even though the presence of God is here to heal. And God says, how long, I need y'all to hear me tonight, how long are you going to stay in a place where I'm not? And the devil will fool you into thinking that your current place is an okay place if you're still alive. But God wants to push you forward. God wants more out of your spirituality. It's not about a building. Tonight, it's about where God is taking you individually. See, see, don't think that the work of God is going to be stopped because of you. Forget a building. Let's take it personal. Where are you at? Pastor, we transitioning. Okay, all right, fine. You don't like that? Fine. Let's take that out. Put that to the side. Where are you at? You a good husband? Do you cover your kids in prayer? Because the anointing flows from the head down, and your family is a reflection of how much time you do not spend with God. And what I've discovered, Pastor, in my own ministry is people love to criticize the work of the church as a camouflage to deal with their own homes. So if I can deflect energy from the dysfunction in my house, then I ain't got to deal with what God has on my heart. The last time God told you, call your family together. Let's lay prostrate until God gives us an answer. Stop blaming the school system for your child. Stop talking about your spouse. They are a reflection of your intelligence. Tonight, God is saying, we're going to talk about a building all week. He says, tonight, forget a building. Where are you at? 
We know the church is in transition. You in transition too. God is, God is moving you to a place. God is, God, listen, you are not satisfied with where you are. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's where we're in tonight. You are right now. You're not satisfied with, with where you are. Get on your feet right now. Forget what God is saying to you. You are, you are tired. You are frustrated with you. This week is not about just a final week in Glenville. What if this week was God's biggest opportunity to deal with you? Because you don't know what's in the next season of your life. You don't know. You don't know what's in the next season. You don't know what has your name on it. To think that this fall, there is a blessing. And I ain't talking about financial. But there's a blessing this fall. I don't know who you are with somebody's name on it. But because you're tripping over a building or your boss or what's going on, God said, you're not ready. And like, oh, hear me tonight, and like the children of Israel, you got to wait 40 years. What God wanted you to have now. I don't know who you are. You are dissatisfied. I want you to come in faith to this altar. You are dissatisfied with yourself. This ain't about the church tonight. This ain't about what's going on. This not even about what's going on this week of prayer. Tonight, God set this up for you.